This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review, heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer Worldwide. I'm Bob Komsikin for Libby's Nimer. In part two of our year-end political wrap with our panel of experts, we look back at the highlights and lowlights of federal politics and what's ahead with an election just 10 months away. And a new documentary profiling trailblazing seniors who've reinvented themselves later in life premieres next week on our sister station, Vision TV. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. An update now on a story we brought you earlier this month about an investigation revealing the shocking number of Canadians who've died after receiving medical device implants. Since 2008, 1,400 have died, another 14,000 were hurt even after the devices were pulled from the market in other countries. As a result of the study, Health Canada has now put into effect regulations to improve the safety of medical devices like pacemakers and breast implants. The plan also mandates that all hospitals across the country report serious adverse incidents related to medical devices to Health Canada. A Christmas tradition with a Canadian connection was marked again this year in the Netherlands, dating back over seven decades. This past Christmas Eve, like so many before, children placed candles on the graves of 1,393 Canadian soldiers resting in the Holton Canadian Cemetery to honour the brave men who helped to liberate the country. An 84-year-old British woman is soaring to new heights after discovering a unique hobby. Glenn Mills, who suffers from multiple sclerosis and has been wheelchair-bound for 30 years, loves to go indoor skydiving. Indoor skydiving is better than any medicine. Glenn does indoor skydiving every week and says the sport's keeping her young. A 70-year-old retired computer programmer set a marathon world record earlier this month in Florida. Gene Dykes of Philadelphia ran it under three hours, breaking the previous record set by the great Canadian runner Ed Whitlock when he was 73. Many believe that record was untouchable. Dykes recovers quickly after difficult runs. Earlier this month, he ran two marathons, and just two months ago, he ran the Toronto Marathon and came within 30 seconds of his age group record. A long-term care home over in England is reporting huge success with a robot dog. Originally created as a child's toy by toy maker Hasbro, Biscuit, the robot dog, is helping to spark memories and encourage social interactions among residents with dementia. The dog responds to touch, wiggles his nose, and makes the sounds of a real dog. Even though it's robotic and it's a toy, it's, it's not seen as that by our residents. It's seen as a dog. Real pet therapy dogs visit the home too, but at some point they have to leave. Biscuits on call 24 hours a day, even for bedridden residents. 
here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. Zoomers will recognize that theme song from the iconic 70s TV show, The Brady Bunch. Fast forward over four decades, and the six Brady kids have reunited this year for a home reno TV show. The actors who played Greg, Marsha, Peter, Jan, Bobby, and Cindy are renovating the Brady Bunch house located in Studio City that's in desperate need of a makeover. The house was used in exterior house shots only for the series. The Brady Bunch ran from 1969 to 1974. I'm Bob Komsik, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. From my perspective, it's going to be a very positive campaign. Uh, the others will make their decisions about how they run their campaigns. That's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau with a prediction for next year's election. It seems clouds are rolling in on Trudeau's sunny ways. After he won back in 2015, the PM's popularity was soaring here as well as globally. But now, with the next federal election just 10 months away, polls suggest his support's way down. In fact, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer is now more popular with decided voters. This time next year, what party will be governing the country? Here's Libby Snymer with part two of our year-end review and discussion with our expert political panel featuring Bob Richardson, Kim Wright, and John Capobianco. I think there's probably been some negative hits on the prime minister related to pipelines and a few other issues. I still think his numbers are very good right across the country, and I don't put too much into one single poll. Um, I would take my chances over the other leaders anytime this coming year. I think he does very well in the Atlantic, in Quebec, in Ontario. I think he'll do very well in particularly urban British Columbia. I think he Alberta, will, not so much, no, eh? Not so much, but but, anyway. but Alberta has been written off in liberal and, politics for generations. And Alberta's so. also, True. Uh, and you know, there's you can never do enough for Alberta, but that's a whole other issue. Um, pipeline, perhaps. <laughs> What's that? A pipeline, perhaps. Well, like, uh, the one know, that we that bought nice. for $4.5 billion. But, <laughs> you know, to, to your question about whether or not the polls matter this far out, they're a snapshot in time, which is what we always say. But if we also looked at where we were going into the last federal election, Tom Mulcair would have been the prime minister. What I'd also like to see is the by-election in Burnaby be called so Jagmeet Singh can actually get a seat That's in the That's the next question. Where is he? He seems to have made... Very little impact. So he's doing a lot of legwork across the country with new Democrats. And while that isn't always uh, happy for my friends in pundit land to talk about, that Jigmeet's actually doing the work that a uh, first-term leader needs to do and building up teams and finding candidates and replacing people who have been, frankly, around for a long time, who have decided because they're now pushing into their late 60s, early 70s, that maybe it's time to step back. This has been a disaster from the moment he has been there. And I'm surprised because I thought he did a decent job in the Ontario legislature. I think he's a smart guy, but they have no strategy. There's not a single issue that he's associated with. He is not attracting candidates. Their financing, or financing, their yeah. financing is a disaster. The caucus can't stand him. And uh, the caucus is a mess. Eight of them have already announced that they're not running. This is probably the worst performance for the New Democratic Party. And when you look back, boy, Tom Mulcair Hair's looking pretty good. There's no question that it's still the prime ministers to lose in 2019 in October. I still think that there's an edge of the incumbency, the, the fact that there's always a two-term kind of feel out there. But I actually think that there's a vulnerability.
instability in the Prime Minister and in, in the Liberal Party in general. And I do think that Andrew Scheer is as underwhelming as some would say. And my my friend, my good friend Bob from across the table here, uh, you know, says that he's he's not doing that well. But he's a tortoise in this race. And I think that what he's doing is a slow and steady, and he's building a brand for himself. This is a guy he who's had a public so. sector paycheck his entire life. But he Nothing wrong with that, by the way, but don't try to pretend to be something you're not. But he's actually trying to make the difference between what he brings about and his appeal to Canadians, which I think is starting to be a lot more, the Canadians are a lot more attentive to what he's trying to bring to the table than I think what Trudeau's been able to do over the last little while, which is actually against that. And, and I think that Well, I think he might that. be the kind of anti-Trudeau as... The every man, non-celebrity, non-handsome, non- Well, okay, but he also had the most underwhelming performance at a conservative convention that I've ever seen, given his oh, speech in Halifax. I, 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 he, there, at best, there was polite applause. He also got completely overshadowed by Maxime and continues to be. And as we Overshadowed see, by Doug Ford. And, and overshadowed by Doug well, Ford. But, so, you know, trying to be Andrew Scheer, who literally stands head and shoulders, above everyone, but also to be noticed is a problem that he is going to have to continue to face going into the October 2019 uh, federal election. Well, listen, Andrew Scheer definitely has a shot at being prime minister. Absolutely. There's no question about that. But the other thing that a long I shot, <laughs> a long shot. But the, the other thing I find difficult with this guy sense. is what I would call sort of frat boy politics, where they constantly are putting out stuff that is either factually inaccurate or so twisted that it bears no resemblance to the truth. And they've constantly been doing that. They've been caught several times. They've had to bring stuff back on social media. You know, governments, there's a lot to shoot at without having to lie or to uh, twist the truth. And these guys always seem to go to twisting the truth. I think 2019 is going to be an interesting year. I think the election's already unofficially started in some ways with the last session, but I certainly think that once everybody's back from the holidays, you're going to see a lot more robust campaigning going on, and I think that the Prime Minister's are finally going to call the by-election in Burnaby. We're going to see what comes out of that. Burnaby is a pretty deep-rooted uh, New Democrat stronghold. In fact, at one point, Tommy Douglas represented it. So, you know, yes, Jigmeade has to make sure he wins that, and I think that he will. Uh, but he also needs to make sure that he is being heard, being seen. And if you remember back to when Jack Layton was the leader, when he first was elected, he didn't have a seat in the House of Commons either. He made sure he showed up and he used all the tools that were available, as Jigmeet does uh, through his social media accounts. And what he's developing is a group of people who are active and activists, not just the people who sit around uh, pendant tables. He never seems to talk about political issues. He's become virtually non-existent in that. I think Colin, Nathan Colin has done a better job of representing the NDP uh, federally than any other caucus member. I think it's going to be a great 2019. I think it'll be dominated probably by the federal election. And uh, I think really the ballot question will end up being, do you like Justin Trudeau or do you not like Justin Bob, Trudeau? Bob, does Jagmeet win or not his uh, by-election? I think he wins his by-election, actually, in Burnaby. I agree. Okay. I think at the end of the day, things will coalesce for him. And I know the Greens have stood down and aren't running a, a candidate. So I think he's got a couple of things going his way. And I think he gets into Parliament. That was our panel of political experts, Bob Richardson, Kim Wright, and John Capobianco. I'm Bob Comsick, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, an 84-year-old woman affectionately known as the Tattoo Lady. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Tattoos 
have changed my identity far more than I ever could have possibly anticipated. That's 84-year-old Helen Lambin of Chicago, who, after the death of her husband, transformed her body into an inked canvas. Helen's story is just one featured on the new documentary, Radical Age, that premieres Tuesday night on her sister station, Vision TV. The provocative program's a reflection of the Zoomer philosophy that age is only a number. I spoke with Helen about her body art. I have a good number of tattoos, which I've gotten over ten and a half years. Why did you begin? Was there something that set the wheels in motion? I was having motion? a big birthday, and I wanted to do something significant. And uh, my older daughter had had tattoos like 10 years before a couple, and I thought those looked pretty. They asked how bad it was. She said it wasn't bad. So I decided a tattoo is something permanent. Once it's done, it's done. So it's kind of an accomplishment. It's there. So I got my first tattoo. And what was that? It was a piece, Stacy. Rosemary, my older daughter, went with me to pick out the tattoo from the flesh. Those are those big boards in a tattoo shop. So she helped me pick out a piece, Stacy. That was the first one. Then I felt off balance with one only on the left arm. It was the upper left so I could conceal it. So there was a mother and baby dolphin tattoo. Well, I got the baby on the right arm because it was small and wouldn't show a lot. But the baby dolphin missed its mother, so I had to get the mother tattooed dolphin. So that was sort of the beginning of the whole thing. They all have a meaning or something that you have a, a yes, liking. Yes, they do. And uh, there's a little bit of fill in that wooden where it's just filling in space, but otherwise they all have a meaning. And some, where they're not immediate apparent, like birds or flowers or, say, a saying, uh, in a language, French or Spanish, which I know a little bit of, then if it's a symbol, I Google it so you don't get an unpleasant shock and find out that it has some kind of awful meaning that you didn't know about. What do people say to you when they when they see you out in public? It depends. Once in a while, it's something rude, but rarely. They might ask what a specific one means. They might show me a tattoo they have. They might just say nice ink, or occasionally I'll be walking on the street and somebody will pass them. It's not intended in a salting way. More have to be in a pickup truck. Hey, nice ink, Granny. <laughs> what about older people? Let's say some uh, some boomers with uh, with zip or zoomers, as we call them up here at uh, Zoomer Media. Most of the time, it's positive. Uh, people my age, probably the people I like best, are okay with it. And if it really bothers someone, we probably wouldn't be that friendly anyway. I've had conversations with, it depends. The younger people are more apt to be approving, but it isn't across the line like that. Because I've had older people who told me, oh, they were getting a tattoo for their son. Or someone might be getting one for one they lost. Reaction from older people, if they don't have ink, is or maybe just the people I know, it's less apt to be critical than figuring they wouldn't want to do it themselves. Do you find that maybe more and more older people are now getting them for the reasons you mentioned? Certainly I've seen other older people in the tattoo shop when I've been there, and I had stopped in, they were having a party because celebration 45 years of the same shop, and I stopped in to say hello, and uh, there were groups of people waiting for a tattoo, and one was an older man, probably younger than I am, but he said he's been getting tattoos for 30 years. 
people my age might not get them if they don't have them. If they already have them, they'll keep getting them. But it's sort of the idea of how it feels. Doesn't that hurt? And it is kind of, I suppose, thinking about it, it is a radical idea. Have you at any point along this journey of tattoos and ink thought to yourself, what have I done, or you've been comfortable from the get-go with this? No, I don't have any regrets. Uh, you know, I used to smoke, and so, you know, that was quite expensive as well as unhealthy, and I haven't smoked for 20-some years, so I figured this is a different one. So I try to make sure before I get one that I know what it means and what it might mean to other people. That was 84-year-old Helen Lambin, who's transformed her body with tattoos. Her story is just one profiled in the documentary Radical Age, which premieres on our sister station, Vision TV, Tuesday night at 9. I'm Bob Comsican for Libby's Nimer, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, birthday greetings to Manitoba's famous rock and roll son who found his own way to rock. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Welcome back to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Bob Comsick. It's time for your International Arts Datebook. Tips for those of you jetting around the world. Here's Jane Brown. The classic art of pantomime is reviving the English city of Salisbury, drawing record crowds. The show's been held over at the Salisbury Theatre for an extra week. In Glasgow, a giant mural of the late comic book legend Stan Lee has been painted on the side of the Barn Community Centre. It's in honour of Lee's legacy in Scottish comics. In Belfast... Well, it's a marvelous night for a moon dance. You can now take a walking tour of the area where legendary singer-songwriter... Van Morrison grew up, and snowbirds in Florida can now explore the artistic dialogue between Salvador Dali and Rene Magritte in an exhibition at the Dali Museum in St. Petersburg. I'm Jane Brown, and that's the International Arts Datebook. Tomorrow, Canadian rock icon Burton Cummings celebrates his 71st birthday. Born December 31st, 1947, Cummings is best known as the lead singer of the classic rock group The Guess Who?, Throughout the mid-60s, the band released a string of singles which gained momentum throughout Canada. But it wasn't until 1969 that they hit it big on the international scene with the release of their seminal album, Wheatfield Soul. It contained this song, their first international hit, co-written by Burton Cummings and Randy Bachman, These Eyes. These eyes Cry every night That was the Guess Who with These Eyes. Lead singer and songwriter Burton Cummings celebrates his 71st birthday tomorrow. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Bob Comsick in for Libby Zneimer, and thanks for joining me. Happy New Year. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. You've been listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, produced by MZ Media Limited. Executive Producer, Moses Neimer. Produced by Christine Ross, Michelle Saunders, Paul Thomas, and Andre Lowy. This has been an exclusive podcast of the Zoomer Week in Review. Heard every Sunday at noon on Zoomer Radio. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, 
and The Garden Show.